Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Ladies and gentlemen. Everybody, this is Wildcat Radio 2.0. I'm Evan Green, and we don't need Brett Berry because we got Ronnie Stoffel who's sitting in here for Brett this week. Ronnie, one of the OGs of Wildcat Radio, I guess. Do I say like welcome back, welcome to the show? How do I even like? How do I do this? Uh, well, I'm going to start with I miss you, Brett, and then secondly, that yeah, hurts. Feels... I'm right here, <laughs> and and it's always good to see your face, Adam. <laughs> yeah. um, we uh, no, you know, yeah, OG, that works. I know. I was actually reminiscing about that the other day because i think one of the first podcasts that you and i did would have been the 2017 season does that sound right that sounds right to me yeah 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 because i know you know that's that was back when bryant was juggling both this and that and then we, we had you on a couple times as an unintended tryout but it was more of you know <laughs> just like How's this going? And you were super interested. And then life happened quickly for me. And then insert Brett. And before you know it, it's 2023. Yeah, here we are. We've we got more gray hairs now and we're Lots. completely different people. But speaking of changes, though, Ronnie, let's just get right into it. The PAC, I guess it's technically still PAC-12 going into this season. Just it call be, it. Is it was going to be PAC-10 next season. And now it looks like it's going to be the PAC-9 as news has come out. We're recording on Wednesday that Colorado is apparently like it's escalated from they're talking, they're having a big board meeting to, yep, they're going back to the Big 12. Big 12's already accepted them as a new member. They're going to apply for it. And yeah, Colorado going back to the Big 12. And the Pac-12, or whatever number you want to attach to it, is reeling. Now, Brent and I have talked about this before, where we think you know Arizona should do. You know, it's always kind of a hypothetical. Like, okay, well, you know, if the Pac-12 can survive, we'd rather stay there. I don't know if they can survive now that Colorado's. Not that Colorado was the big dog or anything like that, but it's just that's a third school that's abandoning the conference. You're not picking up, you know, maybe you could get one or two that are okay. You're not picking up three schools. You're going to be like, okay, Pac-12 is back. Like that's got to be it, right? Yeah, I mean, let's let's uh, let's start with uh, backing up a year, and I mean, I think most people acknowledged that when USC and UCLA announced their departure. But that was basically the end. The, the, that was the death of the conference as we knew it, right? I, I think it's very simple and logical to say that Arizona, you know, even the, or from a basketball standpoint, sure, but like, you know, specifically football. I mean, football runs everything. Um, we, as the then Pac-10, as that conference, there's no way we would be able to 
go out and get two players of the same magnitude to restore whatever was lost from those vacancies. So as far as I'm concerned, right, this has been dead for a year. And so all the rumor mills going wild, wild, right? I mean, Colorado has been at the forefront of that since day one. I think what's very interesting to me is now it's finally happened. Like this has literally been going on for a year. And they're the first domino, I guess, technically the second, if you want to say, behind USC and UCLA. But really, as far as like the movement to the Big 12, you know, it finally happens today. So very serendipitous of of our recording schedule. But um, no, I mean, I, I don't think, you know, so let's just play it out. Who could you, again, yeah. we're not going to backfill at, 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 a, at a reasonable price, the USC and the UCLAs. And now we're talking about Colorado. So what a San Diego State, no, you're not going to poach anybody from the Big 12, I would think. So like you're all talking Mountain West. You're probably talking like a Utah State and Fresno State. Like, it's I, not I worth it, right? Like, no, there's no like point. Arizona doesn't buy that. Like Arizona isn't the Pac-12. Arizona is Arizona. Needs to look out for Arizona. But yeah, like at this point, it's a dead conference walking. It's a zombie power five conference because if you even got some of the schools like San Diego state was the best you thought you could do. And San Diego state's fine. You know, they made it to a championship game in basketball and they're usually pretty good in football, but they're not UCLA. They're not USC. Like they're probably not even Colorado. Right. And like, that was the best the conference was going to be able to do. And I know George K during Pac-12 football meetings last week, he kind of tripped over himself talking about, oh, deals may be in place. It's not in place. He was questioning. He's like, no, no, we're just not talking about it yet. You know, it's like, well, no, if you had a deal, you'd be talking about it. They don't have anything. And to your point, Ronnie, they've had at least a year now, really, to try to figure out what to do to make these plans. Like, you know, the Big 12 has been having conversations with all these schools that they want over the last year, saying, you know what, you're, if this deal doesn't come through or if you want, like, you know, give us a look here. We got, we got a spot for you. What has the Pac-12 done other than, like, be on its heels and seem like it has no idea what it's doing? Now, granted, that was the case when Larry Scott was in charge. They didn't know what they were doing. But, you know, it's a tough spot because they were losing two of their premier programs, two of the premier schools that you just cannot replace. So, yeah, I'm, I'm with you. Like, I talked with Brett before. I was all on board with Arizona moving to the Big 12, and I was hoping that ASU would come with them because I'd like to keep that rivalry intact in the same division, same conference and everything. But... My big fear was Arizona waits too long, doesn't jump ship, and then the conference just falls apart around them. And then what? Maybe the Big 12 doesn't want you anymore, you know? So is this, this going to be the move? Is Colorado leaving going to be the move that makes, other, like, makes President Robbins be like, okay, Pac-12's done. Like, it's life support, but it's terminal. And if that's the case, I know he's, I've seen reports, he's had those conversations with the Big 12 too. Does he say, okay, we're ready to make that move as well? Like, that's what I want to know because before it was just UCLA and USC and they were like, okay, we can, we can survive this. We can bring in other schools. We can be the Pac-10, whatever. I don't know if they can survive this because it doesn't sound like Colorado will be the last one, right? Because it was Colorado, Utah, Arizona, Arizona State. That was the rumor. Well, Colorado's going. What's next? And I don't want Arizona to be caught, you know, with their pants down with having nowhere to go other than being in the new Mountain West, like you're saying. So... Like that's what I wonder if this is the move that'll like the the final domino or the first domino of the next few that's going to fall in the near future. Yeah, you you, you would have to think so. And you know, we we check this because I know one of the segments later is you know we're just going to do like a you know just miscellaneous catch all thing. But um, you know, fall camp starting August August second, right? So we're now talking. You know, this domino is interesting, and I also think it's very strategic and probably beneficial for for Colorado. 
don't let this really be a distraction. Will they, won't they, before the season, you know, once the season and gets it's going. it's Colorado. Like, this is like, Colorado you know, football. <laughs> They're not really. Yeah. Well, thanks for your contributions to the conference, Colorado. You did virtually nothing. So I want to real quick on one thing, and I, I jotted this down because I can I can already hear some of the listeners um, jumping after you for something you said that SDSU is not Colorado, and I you know it's an interesting resume match, but but I think in my mind uh, the the differentiating factor is, and, and this is kind of to kibosh that like Colorado is better than SDSU. Deion Sanders would not ever go coach at SDSU. Right? No, I'd say so like, it's, it's better big, at yeah. most sports than Colorado. Yeah, they have been, but the ceiling for Colorado is bigger. The for money, sure. the Power market five. that you have. I love San Diego to visit. It's not SoCal in the way we no. think of SoCal. No, it's not. It is the yeah. It's 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 the um, it's it, it's like the most vacationy piece of SoCal, uh, and, and maybe even all of America. I don't I don't know, but but regardless. So getting back on track here. And to be fair know, though, like Brett's done a good job pissing off Colorado fans with our Wildcat Radio Twitter handle. So maybe I'm going to bring some of them back. Like, hey, see, you're better than San Diego State, Colorado. I hey, said it. It's true. All, a- any publicity is good publicity. So whatever whatever works, whatever drives those clicks. Uh, you, you mentioned also the ASU piece. You know, honestly, I couldn't care less if, if ASU comes with. In fact, you know, because, I mean, and, and look at ASU from a Big 12 perspective, because clearly what's happening here, and this is what was so fascinating when this theory was thrown out there last year, Arizona, Colorado go to the Big 12, and they create this basketball super conference. Because at that point, right, everyone knows you're not competing with football from a Big 10 SEC perspective. Like, that's that, right? The hope is if you are a pseudo football school or, you know, pseudo, I guess like blue chip football school, you would eventually land in one of those spots. We have no aspirations to that. Like that, that's insane. So you gotta, you gotta play to your strength, which is basketball. Basketball is the second best thing. Hop into that. You dominate the sports cycle for two or three months a year. It's great stuff. Play to your strengths. That's beautiful. ASU. If I'm the big 12 and this isn't only because I hate ASU, but like, let's objectively (laughs) look at this. ASU offers nothing to the Big 12. Like, I understand, like, Tempe is a major media market. It's the market. But but let's be real. Like, ASU is the biggest underachieving school as far as, as well, I guess you maybe academics, too. I don't, I don't know. But as far as athletics is concerned, probably in the country. Like, there is no other university that has done less with as many resources. But that's why have. you'd want them, because maybe you bring them but All you, of a sudden. You're really cool yeah. with them separating from Arizona? Yes. Like yeah, rivalry, because, no, because you, don't, you don't care. care. You don't care. No, okay. they they don't mean like the rivalry is cool. I guess fine. And they can still play the territorial cup every year. I guess it'd just be a non-conference Iowa, game. Iowa, in Iowa State September, still play every year. You know, Iowa, Iowa State still play every year. That can still be arranged if it means that much to you. I don't. This this our our going to our departure from what was the Pac-12 and then arrival to the Big 12 should not be tied at all to does ASU ha- have a ticket to ride. Because I don't, I don't care about them. We need to focus on ourselves and what's best nope. for ourselves, and that's definitely jumping to the Big Twelve. I'm not not going to the Big Twelve because of ASU. If ASU says nope, we're in the Pac-12, we're staying here no matter what. I'm not being like, well, I guess we're staying too. No, like I'm just hoping that they would come with. I don't want Arizona to be held back by anyone. That's where that's where I'm curious because Robert Robbins has been kind of in the. He's had some quotes over this process about what he's thinking and where he's looking to go, and there's. Plenty of reason why the Big 12 makes sense for Arizona. And that's been the case long before Colorado was going back to there. But 
Yeah, I'm, I'm just curious because it seems on the surface for us like an obvious move, but is it? And that's what we'll find out. Yeah, and I, I think I think what, what really, and just kind of replaying all this in my head, right, because initially a year ago it was the four corner schools, right? Like that's, uh, you know, yeah, Utah, Colorado, and the, and the Arizona schools, and it's going to be the 16-team conference. Then it morphed into, well, right, it's just going to be the, the, the 12, and then, it, then it's going to be Colorado and Arizona. And then it slowly morphed into, oh, wait, it's going to be 16 with, with UConn and Memphis, right, being, being the other two, still Colorado and Arizona. And that one, seems, that one seems the most logical to me, getting back to the premise of you're building a basketball super conference, especially after what we just saw with UConn once again winning. Um, but, but I, I guess, you know, all that's to say something keeps coming back and leaking out to the big 12 wanting to get to 16 teams. And I think that we are just in this dynamic shift of powers for, you know, for whatever sport. And again, playing to your strengths, it seems like that playbook is on the verge of being executed. I didn't hear much more about UConn like officially, but I know there was some buzz over the weekend too, that they were going to announce that they were joining the big 12. And if that happens, Right, then that starts giving some merit to, to that um, Arizona plus Memphis and those two. I, I love it for the basketball conference. The basketball, I mean, think of the mm-hmm. rivalries you'd have in there. Some of them are, we've already seen. You know, Houston is yeah. in the Big 12. Arizona has some history with them. TCU, you know, Kansas would just be awesome to play Cincinnati, every season. Baylor. Cincinnati, like there's, yeah. It'd be a great basketball conference, but it also wouldn't be a bad football conference. Like, part of me mm-hmm. looks at says what Arizona football wants to be, right? When you talk about, I mean, I know Jetfish wants them to be like Utah, just consistently good, solid, tough out. The Big 12 has programs that I think are kind of in that range. Like you have your Iowa States. You know, you have, you know, Baylor. You have TCU, who I know made it to the championship game last season, but they're usually pretty good, never, hardly ever great, but pretty good to very good. Texas Tech. I think Arizona football fits in well. Like in this conference too, like basketball would be a great conference, but football wise, I think Arizona belongs just because like, no, they're not going to win it. I don't imagine, but there's no reason why they can't compete in that conference, especially if they get to the level that jet fish wants them to get to football as it stands right now with the big 12 is not that much different than how the PAC 12 was with clay Helton in those down years. Right. Like it's, it's basically the same because then at that point, what you're comparing is, uh, you know, obviously TCU, Baylor, um, you know, you take those two and then you're basically putting them up against the years of when it was Stanford, Washington, Oregon. I mean, those are comparable you know, you know, scenarios, I guess. So, yeah, I mean, we fit in fine. Look, we're not stri- – I mean, obviously you want to do the best possible, but <laughs> football, just get us to a bowl game. Every, I just ask, just, just win six games. Hopefully one of them's ASU. Get your 13th game and we're happy. And then it's on to basketball. Oh, sure. Exactly. Exactly. And that's where, you know, it's like you see the Big Ten. It's like, I don't know if I'd want to be in the Big Ten. That is going to be murderous. And obviously the SEC isn't calling for Arizona, so it doesn't matter. But the Big 12 to me looks like a conference that Arizona would fit very well in. The travel wouldn't be horrible for the most part. You know, going a little more central time zone, but still like you're not going to the eastern time zone. Like, well, you, you, know. you central Florida and in, in the one offs, but the yeah. one off, yeah. But yeah. most of the or time you you're not. Happens, you know, but yeah, yeah, right. But I, I like what Arizona and the Big Twelve looks like. I mm-hmm. do, and I'm curious. And I, it always still comes back to like I said before tonight, and what I've said before with Brett is that I just don't want Arizona getting left behind. All I care about is Arizona, and to me, Arizona 
just sticking around with the corpse of the Pac-12, what's left of it, is not the right move. Yeah, no, I, I'm a thousand percent with that, right? Like you, what's the old saying? You have to strike when the iron's hot because you know what? You definitely don't. If this is a musical chairs game, you want to make sure you have a seat, uh, <laughs> a viable seat when that music stops playing. Um, and, you know, I do, I do want to say too, I, I want to, um, you know, give Jason, friend, friend of the podcast, Jason Shear, um, some credit too, because, you know, that was his original position way back when uh, about, um, I don't know if necessarily he was citing any inside sources or anything that he had, but his hunch was that Arizona definitely was going to end up in the Big 12. And today it, it takes a big step forward to trending to truth. Um, you know, I, 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 I personally would love this domino fell today. I guess not officially, but, but it seems like there's enough smoke surrounding it that, um, you know, Pete Thamel and you know it's everybody bigger, saying bigger yeah. people are yeah everyone's saying it by the like, time you listen to this happening. it may have already officially happened yeah if that's the case you have to imagine that's a big first domino that makes it less scary for us to jump and let's get this wrapped before the football season starts like right but get this wrapped before August second before fall camp starts you don't want distractions and all that stuff too with the coaching staff and just whatever right like you know just yes we're going that's it no questions or hey you know what's this speculation. No distractions, right? If this year is as pivotal of a year for Jed Fish as it's being built up to be, um, yeah, let's let's just get distractions out of the way. Now, the tricky part, of course, is that, you know, this is not all about academics, or excuse me, all about athletics, right? You also have to factor in the a- academic piece of it, which is, it's kind of a funny narrative to me um, that, that, like, Arizona would be concerned about the quality uh, of the, the the collective quality of the group of institutions in the Big Twelve compared to that of of the Pac Nine or whatever it is now, um, just because I mean, sure, like I, I'm I'm proud of, of of my degree and I'm sure you are too. And, oh you yeah, know, it's from the heart of the Southwest. Yeah, but give me a break, right? Like, <laughs> like really, like that? Like, oh, yeah. like we're signing weight to this. It's like seventy to eighty percent athletics and the rest being well i mean how much pride do like the non-athletics people take in the conference you're in like when they're thinking like whatever conference you're it's athletics that's what really matters absolutely that's where this conversation is yeah so yeah i i I had another thought and i forgot it because we were talking about how smart we are for going to arizona and from graduating from the university of arizona (laughs) case in point right there exactly (laughs) (laughs) oh man i yeah it gets it probably happening, and I, I, that's what I, I think I remember. Yeah, I wonder. I like obviously when UCLA and USC left, it was a total shock, right? Yeah. Like there, I don't imagine there's anyone else in Congress that saw that coming. Colorado leaving should not be a surprise at this point. No one leaving should be a surprise, and I would hope that if you're Arizona and you've had this conversation with the Big Twelve already, you've had this contingency. Okay, you know, the Cal- LA schools are gone. If someone else jumps ship, this is what we do. If two more teams jump ship, this is what we do. Like This cannot be a surprise. If it is a surprise, then people are not doing their jobs. And that's what I think will make this difference. Whereas the last time, it's like, it makes sense that the Pac-12 and the remainder, remainder schools would have to be like, well, what do we do? We don't know what's going on. Is there going to be a TV deal? Is there going to be this? Is going to be that? Well, they know what the TV deal looks like, if there is one or not. And now another school left. And Colorado's probably not leaving if there's a really good TV deal coming. 
So like maybe they were impatient or maybe they just all the, the writing on the wall could read the two to say, yeah, it, it ain't happening. And this is the best move for them. And I don't imagine Colorado knows any more than Arizona. And I don't imagine Colorado is any more desirable than Arizona for the Big 12. So if that deal was there for Colorado and Colorado decided to take it, it wouldn't shock me if Arizona is not far behind. And I hope they aren't far behind. Yeah, I, I saw a tweet earlier, and I'm, I'm drawing a blank on signing credit to it, so I apologize if that person hears this and I'm not citing it properly, but um, <laughs> something had said that the Big 12 had strong enough foresight to anticipate this, right? Not even just Colorado, but just adding additional members when, um, I guess, expanding when they were doing up their media deal. And that included a pro rata clause. So, right. So it'll grow with the more people you add, which is not only awesome, super smart, like, 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 like not only do they have a deal, which is already leaps and bounds ahead of, of what used to be the PAC 12, but they also had the foresight to consider, Hey, we are going to expand and we're going to get paid for that. Um, I just can't imagine anybody in their right minds as far as like media companies really signing, s- signing us at this point. Like you have no idea what the, co- now that Colorado is, is unofficially officially out. Like th- there's just nobody who's gonna, nobody worth signing a deal with as far as, as far as Georgie boy is concerned, probably. Um, it's just such a mess. And, and yeah, I mean, not only for football, right? Like get that out of the way before the season starts. But also with the fans, like, come on, <laughs> just just put all this to bed. Just just make the move already. Yeah, pretty much. Before we wrap this up real quick is our favorite memory against Colorado. It has to be Khalil Tate just running all over them, right? That's uh, all I think about. Colorado's, 45, con- yeah. Yeah. Colorado's contributions to the conference were not particularly noteworthy, but we'll always have Khalil Tate just torching them every time he faced them, especially the first. Like, my God. <laughs> yeah, that was... That was in such a time of need because that was coming off the, uh, or we won in two, like we lost a bear. It was coming off the 2016 season, right? And then Brandon Dawkins, we start like one and two or something. Tight game against Houston, tight game against Utah, which I think went to OT. And then we go up to Boulder and poor Brandon Dawkins got hurt. And then insert Cleo Tate, the real Mr. October. And uh, the rest, as they say, is history. The rest, as they say, is history. So, yeah. Colorado, I'd say we won't miss you, but we may not because if Arizona joins the Big 12 with you, then we'll we'll see you again (laughs) shortly. So, Ronnie, we'll see what Arizona does. Let's take a break and we come back. Arizona football was part of the Pac-12 Football Media Day last week. A few noteworthy things were said, especially from Arizona's representatives, and let's talk about it. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We're back. It's Wildcat Radio 2.0 with Ronnie Stoffel filling in for Brett Barry. And who knows, maybe we'll never see Brett again. That you know, Maybe he's going to the Big 12 already as well. And Ronnie's just going to pick up the slack for him and join Wildcat Radio. <laughs> no, probably not. 
Throw up, throw, throw up the bat signal whenever you guys need me. <laughs> Always. Well, Ronnie, last week, Arizona had the Pac-12 Football Media Day. Jed Fish, Jaden DeLore, and Traden Stukes were the representatives. And I remember we could just, when we saw that it was going to be Jaden DeLore, it was interesting. It's like, okay, after the offseason he's had, to put him in front of the media to answer the questions, that's an interesting choice. I think, and this is just my opinion, I think it worked to perfection for now. Like The caveat is for now. Delora, the first thing he did was he read a prepared statement. He was very emotional in doing so. Basically thanked his teammates, said it's been tough, that a lot of what was reported is, is not true, that he thanked you know his teammates, his attorneys, his Arizona University of Arizona for sticking with him, and that he just wants to focus on football. Jed Fish kind of talked about the same things, mentioned that they didn't find out about anything until September of last year after Delora was already with them, that the court cases are sealed, so they can't really get too much information. But from what they have been able to gather, they're comfortable with, you know, Jaden's story or his side of things and with him as the quarterback at the University of Arizona. Whether you like that or not, whether you agree with that or not, almost doesn't matter because we don't know what we don't know. But I think for Arizona's sake, this may not go away still. Maybe this will be a topic of conversation when they go visit certain places or, you know, someone's going to ask them a question. Maybe they can't put this behind them because that's how these things go. But on the off chance that they can... I think this shows the intelligence behind the move of having Jay and Delore get up there because he had to talk about, had to address it, which he hadn't done yet. He said a thing. He was very emotional. You could tell even some follow-up questions to it. And then in a perfect world, that's it for them, right? He can just focus on football like he wants. Will that happen? I don't know. I wouldn't bet on it. But I do think Arizona made the right move in having Delora be one of the representatives and answering those questions, giving that statement. What do you think? Yeah, I think I agree with that um, because, you know, at first when hearing that he was going to be one of the representatives right before anything happened, you think, wow, this is either going to be brilliant or an absolute disaster. I don't think that there was any middle ground. Nope. Um, and so so fast forward. Right. I, I think I agree with your assessment that, you know, it, it worked. It's it, it sided with brilliance. Um, where I struggle is um, trying to think of how to. So where I struggle with this is it's technically sealed, right? The course, the court case is sealed, thus the details, thus everything that we need to know about what happened according to the courts is sealed. Yeah. What evidence is there? What testimony is there? All we, that stuff. It's all sealed. We yeah. don't know. We're not going to, they're not going to unseal it. And you know, whatever that that's the law. And, and frankly, I don't think that you should unseal it for a football game. Right. Like, you know, like there shouldn't be exceptions or anything. Right. Like let, let's, let's, let, let, let's reprioritize the law you know, is like, the law. There's yeah. life. And then there's football way below it. Right. So, um, and so I think that, where I struggle with this is um, the initial emotions uh, when we learned about the allegations, I guess, or, or just the alleged outcome and the pleading guilty uh, to the liability of the sexual assaulting, like all of that, you know, I just I immediately thought that there's just no way in today's world that he can continue on a team. And in in even you know Wisconsin went first right with mm-hmm. with 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 the other um, 
defendant, I guess, and uh, the safety on that team. And, you know, they went first like an hour after all the details came out and stood right by him, which I thought was just kind of tone deaf and, you know, whatever, unless they were prepared. I, I don't know. Maybe I shouldn't judge. But but I think it was brilliant, once again, um, of, of U of A football standing back to kind of read what was the reaction with that, right? Like, let's give it 24 hours. Let, let's see, like, what could we do different? What could we do better? Whatever. Be prepared. And, and so we're at a point where, you know, then his attorney comes out and says, look, whatever you've heard and read um, isn't true because it's sealed. Like, we don't know. So that's like a complete curveball to everything of those initial emotions. Right. And so I think we're just at a point now. So, so two last pieces. I think we're just at a point where Jed Fish b- believes and supports Jaden Dolores side of, of, of the incident. And I think we kind of have to as well, just the fairness of the kid. I mean, whether, whether or not you like him, I don't, I don't know. I mean, that's up for you to decide, but, but it seems like there's been a lot more due diligence as far as vetting behind the scenes with Jed fish, I would hope and right. university, I would hope than you or me would do Adam or probably anybody else on Twitter or any of our listeners would do. So that's where I lean toward, okay, well, I guess we just have to accept it. And so if that's the case, you absolutely love the approach they took for Media Day because with Media Day, not only did they put him front and center, they totally head on, right? Like head on, like they they addressed the situation and, you know, they spoke in facts. And I think that, yes, yes, you know, when we go to ASU this year and, and probably other places, um, this won't go away. It's going to follow him. But I just I don't know how much of a distraction it'll actually be. Um, but I think overall, I guess I'm at peace with it. No matter no matter if I am or I'm not, I, I do like the approach. And, and, and you know, to your point, it, it absolutely was was brilliant, I think. I, I think where I'm uneasy is obviously Delore came out and said just the stuff that we read about him pleading guilty, this that, and the other is just not true. And because it's sealed. We don't know if what he said is true. Just like we don't know if the initial media report that said he did plead guilty is true. They both can't be true, right? Right. So whether if, if it's Dolores the one not telling the truth, then this is horrible. Like really horrible that what he did, you know, what he was alleged to have done if he actually did it, if he admitted to doing it. And just the fact that Arizona can't know about it, it's sealed, hurts them there. But that's out there. If he didn't do it, if the initial media, media report was wrong, the one out of Hawaii, that's horrible, too, because I saw people responding to, you know, tweets about what Fish was saying, what Delore was saying. We're like, yeah, but he admitted to doing this. Well, it's like, no, he he apparently didn't. But that's out there. Right. Isn't that like the old like the is it the saying like a lie travels around the world, you know, twice before the truth even gets its shoes on. Perception like becomes that. reality. Right. right? So for like, a lot of people, Jay and Delora yeah. raped this girl mm-hmm. and is playing quarterback for Arizona. I'm not saying he didn't. I'm also not saying he did. He's saying he didn't. Right. Yeah. Or at least he's saying that we don't know that. he. I don't know. It, it's yeah. messy. But the initial report was what it was. And now Dolores said what he had to say. There's kind of two different sides. Like, Grand, the, like, the accusers hasn't really said anything. They have Nor should she. No. So Legally, like, they, I think they stayed she, out. Yeah. So the only one that said anything was this media report, this TV station in Hawaii. And this is Dolores and the school's attempt at defensing, like defense. Did it work? Like, I'm, I'm satisfied enough. Like, I don't like it. It's an uncomfortable situation. Terrible. Like, but I understand, like, based on what Fish said, based on what Dolores said, and based on how Dolores has been since he got to campus, I can understand why Arizona did what he, they did. 
Now, granted, that's part of it is that Delore played well. If he wasn't playing well, if he wasn't the starting quarterback, it might be a different story. It would be a different story. Absolutely. But by all accounts, he's been a good leader, a good teammate, a good student, you know, a good member of the Arizona community. And if that's the case, it's hard for me to to say they should have done anything different, you know, based on what they apparently know. So, yeah, will this follow him? Maybe certain places. There's gonna be comments. There might be signs in the stands. I can't imagine how classy those will be. Oh, but, fans are yeah. But if you're Arizona, you knew you couldn't ignore this. It wasn't just going to go away. So the best thing you yeah. can do is try to take it head on. And mm-hmm. if you're Delora, hopefully, he, I think he was asked by when he was like, how has this affected you? And he's like, well, you know, I'm just closer with my teammates. You know, they've got my back, this, that. If it doesn't affect him, and if on the, if it's one of those things that did kind of galvanize the team around him, and they're like, you know, that much more into things, I'm not saying it's a good thing. This is not a good thing. But it doesn't just have to be a bad thing or a distraction to the point where Arizona is affected negatively. And that's what I guess we won't know until the games start, but that's what they're hoping. Yeah. I, I don't really want to spend too much more time on this. I, I guess the, the, the last piece I'll say, because it's a super uncomfortable situation, right. And, and, and to be clear, like, and, and to be clear, like I, um, if it is true that, that, that there was a guilty plea, um, I think, and Jed Fish and everybody knows about it. That is absolutely horrendous. And quite honestly, Jed Fish should be uh, fired. And I think Jaden Dolores should never be allowed to step on any campus anywhere ever again. I could hear about 90% of that. Like, and so I just think, and so, but where I get back to is that initial report is where did that come from then? Yeah, that, that is, that just feels like a leak. And that's where it's like, okay, look, objectively looking at this, right? What we know is it's sealed. What we know is we are not supposed to know the facts and the facts or, or the perceived facts or leaks or positions that are taken can't be proven. So we have to basically just take Jane Delora at his word, which is what Jed Fish and the, and, and, and the University of Arizona have done. And I think, was so uncomfortable to me is that we just have to, yeah, I guess that's what we have to sign up for too. So he said, she said, and we have to take the word of he said at this point. Yeah. And I guess we're still Arizona fans. We hope for the best other things. One of the things I think stood out to me from what Jed Fisher was talking about was how he thinks this is the most talented team he has. He's had in Arizona. I mean, granted, it's not a surprise. His first team wasn't very good. And last year they improved to five wins, but you look at the roster and what they were able to do. You know, he's mentioned how, you know, first, like they need to fix the offense because they knew like that's what you know, the offense was dreadful. And like you'd be a lot easier to bring in a defense when you have an offense because they know that they don't have to hold teams to seven points a game, fourteen points a game. And this past off season, they they went after the defense, and I, they seem to be pretty optimistic about what they have there with their improvements along the front seven, the linebackers, what they have in the secondary. I. Jed Fisher didn't put pressure on himself. He wasn't like bowl game or bust. He's like, not like this is a team that can compete for the Pac-12, but he's very much like, hey, if this team competes at the level that he thinks it can, then they're going to win a lot of games. And I don't think, I mean, he didn't say that, I don't think, his first year. I'm not even sure he said that last year. But there's a definitely a more of a confident vibe from Fish. Maybe he feels more like he belongs, that he's kind of proven himself a little bit. But he definitely looks at this team and feels like it can compete at a level that his previous two could not. Yeah, I mean, it, it's his team now, right? I mean, obviously, year one, that was, you know, little did we know that the actual rock bottom was still to come after 
Kevin Sumlin was gone, right? That the rock bottom actually happened against NAU, where we're going to have a chance to. Um, oh, the you know, revenge game's coming them. up. Yeah, yeah, the revenge game's coming up. Um, but no, I, I mean, I, I think that, yeah, I, I agree with him. I think that you, you know, that first year, the one in 11 year, that team was terrible. It didn't have a quarterback. Um, I guess it probably had like half a quarterback, which was Jordan McLeod. Then he got hurt. <laughs> and then, you know, last year is it was just more growing, right? The defense was atrocious. And and I guess, you know, to say that this is the best team, it's like that's not really a bold statement, right? Like it's an obvious thing. And so I guess, you know, where I stand is defensively, yes. Yes, like it appears that you've added pieces to improve the defense. But let's be real, the defense couldn't really have gotten worse. So, we, like, we what, are we, <laughs> what are we talking about? Like, what level of improvement are we actually saying? Like, rather than 12th in the conference, we're going to finish 10th? Because if that's the case, I don't see better than 5 and 7. So I, With their I, I guess, offense, even just a slight improvement defensively could be another win or two. <laughs> could be. Could be. Absolutely it could be. Um, but, you know, um, it could also, I don't know, not. I don't know. Like it just oh, there's yeah. plenty of room to improve on that side of the ball, and that's where like the offense. I think Fish even said like they return like nine starters. The offense, I have zero. You know, I'm not worried about losing Dorian Singer. They're going to be fine at receiver. No, offensive line, I like what they're bringing back. What they have there, defensively, they're going to be relying on a lot of guys who haven't done it for Arizona. You know, your Justin Flows, your Tyler Manoas, you know, your Oren Patus, Taylor Upshaw, some of these transfers. These guys that brought in Daniel Himley. Or Hemel, I don't even know the guy from Washington, the linebacker, the Georgia dude too. I'm blanking on it. Bill Norton. Bill Norton, yeah. Yeah. You have a lot of guys who, I mean, a lot of them have done it elsewhere, and a lot of them have you know good pedigrees and were highly rated coming out of high school. And haven't done it yet, so you know there's a. But I, I like that because to your point, the defense probably couldn't get much worse. So why not take some swings at some of these guys? You know, take a sure. big swing with a Justin Flo or with a Tom Manoa or a Bill Norton, guys who. You know, either haven't quite lived up to their billing where they were in Justin Flo's case, or maybe someone who is probably better than what he's been allowed to be, like a Bill Norton or an Oren Patu, is what you're hoping, right? That there's more to get from them, kind of like with Hunter Eccles last year. Like, there's more to right. this guy than what you've seen at his previous stop. I think if you're Arizona, that's what you had to do defensively. And I like, and also the freshman they brought in, like their freshman class, the guys that are, you know, coming over from last year's freshman class are going to be sophomores this year. And the new freshman, I love what they did on that side of the ball. And I understand why Jed Fish is more confident this year than he's been in any other year at Arizona. Yeah, no, I, and, and I'm going to further that point just a little bit because I do think, you know, I, I love bringing up the example of Hunter Eccles because, you know, just bringing in a player who has played in big time games and who comes from a big-time program, instilling a certain level of competitive nature, right, just in the program can oftentimes, I feel like, be an injection of life, right? Like, I remember I remember reading stuff last camp with Hunter Eccles, and they were just praising, you know, just the level of energy and stuff that he brings. Well, now we're talking about, what, five or six guys similar to him that come from big-time programs have played in big time games and you know it's just going to continue to compound and i love the point too with with the recruiting yes yes that recruiting really um well i guess like two classes ago now right like you know like russell davis is an example of a defensive lineman who you know is probably not going to start but he's going to play some meaningful time and so you know just those type of players you know jacob manu right like you you got a couple guys they're definitely going to get in there and play a lot so yeah, I, I feel better about it as a whole. It's just one of those things. Like, do we really trust Johnny Manson too? Like, any stop? I, I, I just I want. That's see the question. It. I, right? I just I, I want to see it because, like, schematically, 
you know, talent group of players is one thing, especially surface level. Then how about depth, right? Because like these guys that you talked about, like I don't know if we've really built a certain level of depth, right? And injuries happen. I hate to say that and you know get all pessimistic about it, but let's also be realistic. Like that happens. Have we built a certain level of depth to absorb that type of issue? And then schematically, right? Like, where do we stand? I mean, there's just so much that we're going to play NAU and we're going to piss on them because we're going to probably put up like like nine or ten touchdowns. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if we got to 70 points in that game. Uh, I like, hope I just, so. Like, I, I just, I, I, <laughs> I have nothing against that. NAU. It's not their no, fault. No, no, no. I mean, it is their fault even, they beat Arizona, but it's no, not. No, like, it's Jed Fish's fault they beat us. And again, I stand by Kevin Sumlin would not have lost that game. And I'm not a Kevin Sumlin fan whatsoever. <laughs> Any but quarterback that, other than Will Plummer, they would have won that game too. I'm confident of that. And I, I, I'm a big Will Plummer Jordan fan. McLeod. I love what he did, but he was not De- the guy Definitely at that point. Jordan McLeod plays that game the entire game. We don't. But anyway, I think Gunnar Cruz wins that game too, but that's, you know, neither here nor I, there. Regardless, um, yeah, this is not even. I mean, it's we jokingly say a revenge game, right? Like it's NAU. They they, they deserve to beat us. Um, that is the biggest embarrassment as far as athletics in, in Arizona history, as far as I'm concerned. Um, we could debate in another podcast, but um, we are going to destroy NAU. Then we're going to go to Sparksville, and I. <sighs> That's a weird situation, right? With the passing of Mike Leach, like how does that team look? I don't, I don't, you know, I don't even know. But I think it'll be a formidable test. We return for UTEP. We're gonna, we're gonna handle things against UTEP, and then we go up to Stanford. Should you know, be able to beat them too. You should be able to beat Stanford, and then you start getting into it, right? Because I think, I think we come back at that point. We play Washington. There's, uh, or is it at Washington? It's Washington at USC at Washington State. Oregon State at home. After Stanford, that next four-game block, the middle third of the season, is where you're really going to learn a lot about this team. Attrition by injury is going to take place. The offense, at that point, you're hoping is humming. And schematically, can we get stops? Can we get off the field? Right? I I would think schematically it's always tough, right? Was a guy in position where he was supposed to be, was the play call wrong, or was it just you didn't have the athletes on that side of the football? If a guy's not where he's supposed to be, is that on the coach or is that on the player for making the mental mistake? Or is it not big enough, right? In theory, some of those issues should have been satisfied or solved this offseason. Justin Flo is not going to, He's not going to struggle to do a lack of size, for example. Like Arizona's bigger in some of those spots than they used to be. They're more athletic. There's more speed. Coaching does say make sure the guy's in the right position. Like most, he knows where to go, but the player still has to do it. So I, I'm not sold on Johnny Nansen. Yeah. But similar to a lot of people are kind of down on Jed Fish after his first season. It's like, no, this guy knows how to coach. Let's get him some players. And suddenly they got a quarterback, you know, receiver, fix the offense. And all of a sudden their offense was like number six passing in the country. And the offense was fine. Not perfect, but plenty good enough. It's like, oh, maybe Jed Fish can coach offense. Maybe he can call plays. Yeah. I'm not sold on Johnny Nansen, but I'm willing to give him the benefit of the doubt that he didn't have the players last season. Especially because we started to see later in the year. Like the defense got turnovers against ASU. The defense was good against UCLA later in the season as they had more of these young guys play, some of these talented kids play. So it's not a make or break year for Johnny Nansen any more than any other year for the coordinators. But I'm willing to give him at least some bit of a benefit of the doubt here with saying, okay, you have better players now. You have more talent. Just like I gave Jed Fish that pass and his first like, oh well wait, let me get a quarterback first. Well, Hopefully the Arizona's got enough good players on defense to where they'll just look better because there's better players. Like 
football is definitely a sport where scheme can make more of a difference, but I think that's more for offense than defense. Defense, you just got to line up, you know, be in the right place, get out, get around your blocker, get through your blocker, make a tackle, you know, stay with the receiver. You know, Johnny Nelson's not coaching him to follow up, you know, to get burned by the receiver, for example, or to miss a tackle. That's where it's about the, you know, the, the Jimmys and Joes, as they say, not the X's and O's. But we'll see. We'll see. Uh, hypothetical for you. Um, this team stays, or I should say, uh, how should I word this? Um, this team stays relatively healthy in the sense that, you know, like like the, the most minimal, not possible, but just like most reasonably uh, injury attrition occurs. Sure. And it still goes five and seven. Do you consider this team, this season, a success? I think it depends on how that five and seven goes, right? Like, what does that include? They're going to be competitive at that point, right? Like, yeah. I do, I don't expect blowouts. So let let's say like the only game we get blown out is at USC. I mean, if they're five and six going into the ASU game and they lose that game, I'm going to be really disappointed. Okay. Most likely, because I think they're going to be better than ASU this season. But the schedule is not particularly favorable, mm-hmm. right? Like they're on the road quite a bit. Um, I think the Vegas over under is still four and a half. So betting line is like five wins would be a good season, but did they beat ASU? Did they beat you know Utah at home or UCLA? Did they pull off an upset? Did they win a road game? Like did they beat Stanford? Did they beat you? Did they take care? Did they win the games they're supposed to win, and then maybe one or two that they weren't supposed to? Like would I like to see a bowl game? Yes. Do I think they have bowl game potential? Yes, I do. But I'm not in a bull or bust mentality. Not for this team. Not for this season. At least not right now. But yeah, if they're if they're five and six by the time they get to ASU, then they better go to a bowl game. They better be able to beat them on the road. To That's get fair. Them. That's fair. But otherwise, I mean, you look at the schedule: NAU, UTEP should be gimmies, right? That's two. Colorado probably. I'm That's not, later in the season. It's at Boulder though. See, I'm not going to chalk up. Yeah. So I mean, Stanford on the road in conference. So, so you probably have them winning three of their first four games. I don't know if you have them beating Mississippi State. So do, do you not. see? Do you see what should be three more wins on the schedule after that? No, and that's where it's like it's hard to say right. they should be a bowl team mm-hmm. because yeah, the, maybe they beat Colorado, maybe they beat ASU, maybe they beat UCLA. But if they don't beat all of them, then they're not going to a bowl game. This has a lot of feeling to that 2018 season, uh, or I guess rather it was 2019. I think uh, right where we started four and one after the disappointing and then end of 2018, and then that was it. Like it has a little bit of that feel. Kind of what it. last year was looking like, and then they then they beat UCLA and then ASU. I guess the difference, or there there are much bigger differences than what I'm going to say too. I mean, but but like um, right, so like I think Jed Fish is a much more competent coach than Kevin Sumlin at that juncture, right? Like Kevin Sumlin was just. You could you could pick nits at him all throughout his career, but specifically in 2019, Jed Fish today is l- like light years ahead of what Kevin Sumlin was at that point in time. Oh, yeah. And w- again, like Cleo Tate, right? A lot of that was the Grant Gannell, Cleo Tate, the who's the quarterback, you know, rotation job. Jane Delora, like if everything stays healthy on that front, like and even then, like No Fafita is, is such a formidable backup that like mm-hmm. the quarterback room is a lot stronger this year. The reason it draws a comparison in my mind is just the way that the schedule shakes out. That four and one start potentially 
And then it's just bang, bang, bang down the road. Wasn't it like a stoops year where Arizona got to like top 10 in the country or top 15? We beat Iowa. Then all the good teams were in like, it was like backloaded with like every single really good team. Like they lost one game they should have won. I think it was to ASU probably. But Uh, every other game they were playing was like a top 25 opponent, most of them on the road or something. I think that was 2009 or something. 2010, I think it was. It was 2009 or 2010. But yeah, you're right because we beat Iowa came to town. And we beat them. That was our senior year, actually. It was 2010. We started 7-1. and one. The only loss was by two points at home against Oregon State. And then we lost the last five games, including just getting absolutely destroyed by Oklahoma State in the Alamo Bowl. And then start off the next year, won a couple of games in the non-conference and lost like the first like four conference games and fired Stoops. So, yeah, sometimes scheduling does that. Last year's schedule was similar to that, too, where you know it wasn't like Arizona got to a 4-0 start or anything, but there was that middle stretch of like five teams that were all top 25. And they beat UCLA, like as part of that. So yeah, you know, is year three the right year to say Jed Fish should be getting this two to bowl game? Like, if they hadn't gone from one win to five wins, I think you'd be like, no, right? It's a much bigger rebuilding job than that. But with the portal, with the recruiting he's done, with what they did last season, it's easy to say, okay, well, you made got to five wins last season. Now you got to take another step forward. I do think it's a lot easier to go from dreadful to competent than it is to go from competent to good. You know, yeah. winning those games. So to get to like, they should never have been a one win program. Like that's not that's not Arizona. <laughs> Absolutely but not. Is Arizona a consistent eight win program, nine win program? They haven't been that either. So to get from five wins like they got last season to that next step, that's going to be hard. But I think they can do it. And we'll to your point, we'll know a lot after that first like those first four games, right? Because three of them, like two of them at home, they should absolutely win. The two on the road, one of them they probably should win at Stanford, but they haven't had a lot of success there, especially recently. In Mississippi State, we don't know how much better they'll be than Arizona. So could Arizona be 4-0 after that first four? Yeah, absolutely, sure. they could be. Yeah. Could they be 2-2? Two and two? Yeah. 3-1 yeah. and one seems likely, but if they're 3-1, and one, depending on how that happens, I guess, do you feel good about their chances the rest of the way? I guess we'll see, you know. But I do think that Jed Fish is right when he says it's the most talented team he's had. I like what they have offensively, and I love the potential that the defense has. Not to be great. It's not going to be Desert Swarm again. But I think they could be decent they can get enough stops in games to get create a couple turnovers you know do something because if the offense does its job and scores 30 something points a game then the defense doesn't have to be great it just has to be good enough and i think they have the pieces to be that yeah no i and, and you say this all the time um not necessarily in these words but the message is of course not all identical records are built the same right so when i think of five and seven it's it's did the defense improve right because even if the offense takes a step back to me that's not a a major deal like that could very well be the difference between five and seven wins um but what i want to see is we have just not had a meaningful defense like a consistently um reliable defense probably since 2014 and even at that point like we were still giving up big big chunks they of just points. made plays yeah right so we just i mean this goes back to then even like stoops maybe that like 2010 year um where we just have not had a strong defense and, and i mean strong might even be too strong like just a, a competent defense like top half of the conference defense so you know just middle part of the that, defense they'll be fine yeah honestly yeah if they get to that eight to like five range um, if they get to like eight to five, uh, finishing in, in, in the pack and in, in their defensively total defense, um, I think better than five and seven, but I just, I, I need to see the defense and, oh, yeah. and the whole thing before I'm ready to get all excited. Got to see if the offense can take a step forward and be more consistent, especially in the red zone. You know, the defense can take a step forward and just show up 
more often than it doesn't. If those things happen, Arizona's going to a bowl game because they should be able to win some of those games. You know, all of a sudden Mississippi State looks more competitive. Washington at home. Arizona almost beat them on the road last season, but it mm-hmm. looks more competitive. You know, Oregon State at home looks doable more because Oregon State's solid, you know, especially with their new quarterback. But UCLA at home, Colorado on the road, ASU, those games look a lot more winnable if those things happen, if everything goes right. Now, that's the case for every program, if everything goes right. But I think Arizona has more room for error in that regard because we know the offense is going to be good. The question is, will it be really good? And we know the defense has better players. The question is, will that turn into better defense? We'll see. We'll see. Well, Ronnie, let's take one more break. And we come back, of course, you know, Arizona football. Got a big recruiting visitor coming this weekend. And basketball, probably the most polarizing player, held a press conference and introduced himself to the local media. Let's talk about that. We're back, Wildcat Radio 2.0. Let's just get right here with Demon Williams. You know, we talked to Matt Moreno last week, and he mentioned Demon Williams as a guy who was going to be looking at Arizona after he decommitted um, from Ole Miss. Four-star quarterback, local kid, really good. He's going to look at Arizona. And now it's been reported he's going to be visiting the Wildcats this weekend. I don't know if Arizona's on commitment watch. I don't know. I mean, <laughs> it sure seems like there's been a lot of smoke with regards to Williams going, you know, flipping to Arizona. And now he's visiting. That's, I guess, the next step to the happening, right? Absolutely. Um, I, th- there's, this is similar in the sense of, of Colorado's exodus from what was the Pac-12. I think that there is a lot of smoke here. And even as far as like the 24-7 crystal balls are concerned, um, I, it just seems like it's in the bag. And this is just a little bit of a formality. I, I, I don't know. Um, but no, I, it, it feels like this, this kid's definitely coming. How, I wonder how big that is. I mean, he's what I love about Arizona's quarterback recruiting under Jed Fish is that he doesn't have a type other than good is what he's looking for. Mm-hmm. Right? Look at the quarterbacks he's recruited. The first class, Gunnar Cruz and Jordan McLeod. Couldn't have been more different, right, in terms of what their size was, what their skill set was. He was just looking to find a good quarterback. Goes against Jaden Delora. Not a big guy, necessarily. You know, not necessarily a runner, but he can run. And he recruits Noah Fafita, who's on the smaller side but got a cannon and a firm arm, kind of similar to Delora in that regard. You know, smaller guys they can run, but they want to stay in the pocket or they want to throw the ball from wherever they are on the field. And he gets Braden Dorman, who's like, what, 6'4", you know, a big pocket passer. And now you're looking at Demon Williams, who is on the smaller side. He's 5'11", right now, you know, mobile, but a really good passer. But, like, what is a Jetfish quarterback? It doesn't have to be big, not 6'4", 6'5". It's not a runner, necessarily, either. It's just someone he thinks can help them win games. And that's what I love about this. Now, the, the curious thing is always... Generally, only one quarterback is going to play per season. So you start bringing in all these guys onto the roster. The competition is great. You want to have as many options as you can. But sooner or later, someone's going to be like, okay, I'm not going to see the field. It's time for me to go. Good problem to have, not one that Arizona's had in recent years. And that's not why you wouldn't recruit quarterbacks, obviously. You should get one in every class. But when you get someone like Devin Williams, if they do, who comes in with the pedigree of a local kid, I would say the SEC offers, has offers from like Michigan State, from UCLA, from some pretty good programs, like it'd be another feather in his cap. Absolutely. Um, and, and I think, you know, like what is, what is his type? Um, it seems like he goes for the value play, like, you know, a uh, high quality quarterback who's undervalued a lot of times, maybe physical stature, right? I mean, no Fafita. Now this kid, 
Um, I think that, I mean, maybe, maybe even Jade Delora a little bit too. So like maybe, maybe the answer lies mostly with just like, um, unimpressive physical stature. Like I don't really know, but it also seems like from, from what I can tell and, you know, I don't necessarily, um, was it, uh, Braden Dorman or is it Brandon Dorman last year's quarterback? Yeah. The kid out of Colorado. Um, all of these kids just strike me. I mean, and I guess the one debatable piece would be Jaden Delora, but even going back to like the Gunner Cruz, you know, like all these kids just strike me as really humble kids. So like with that level of humbleness, I think a lot of times comes low levels of ego. Right. So it's like they're, yeah, like they, they just appear to be, you know, coachable. Um, They appear to share similar physical traits as far as you know maybe like slightly undersized thus under recruited you know i think a couple weeks ago brett actually made the point or you might admit if this kid were you know six three he would not be on the radar for arizona right like as far as like i think a legitimate landing spot probably not but at the same yeah. time you know you get elijah rushing and that's a big part of this is showing is. that you can get those five star you know top tier talents and you know braden dorman's a four star it's not like he's a slouch in terms of a commits going. He's got that size, right? Yep. Like he is the big prototypical type quarterback. So Arizona hasn't gotten Demon Williams yet, but it certainly seems like things are pointing in that direction. You mentioned two, four, seven crystal balls are, looks like they're pointing to Arizona. They're not always accurate. You know, that's why they're crystal balls. They're not rock solid. It's, you know, just a prediction, but it's kind of neat to see Arizona predicted to get another, you know, high level local kid too. So, you know, we'll see. But Jed Fish recruiting, like his off seasons are still undefeated. <laughs> like he, he brings all the excitement, all the joy in the off seasons. Let's switch gears to basketball, men's basketball specifically. Caleb Love. Ronnie, what was your thought on Arizona getting Caleb Love? I am so excited okay. about the not only him, but just what he adds to the other acquisitions that have been developed here because I think we legitimately have a backcourt a backcourt with depth. And this is honestly like, I was trying to think back to like, is this potentially like the best backcourt that we have had since like the Lowry marketing year, as far as like quality and depth, because, that was because I mean, the next year Simmons, was, you know, Parker Kadeem Jackson, Allen. Cartwright, uh, Alonzo. Tra- yeah. Yeah. So I guess start with Trier. them, right? So start with the 2017. I'm pretty sure Parker Jackson Cartwright was on that team. Next Kadeem year, Allen yeah. was the starter. Was he uh-huh. on 2017 or not? Uh, Kadeem Allen was the Larry Markkinen year. Yeah. Was Parker Jackson Cartwright not on that team? He was, yeah, but Kadeem okay, Allen, because yeah. PJC he took ran, over the next started, year. Yeah. He started, Kobe Simmons played a lot, then Alonzo Trier came back, but then Parker Jackson Cartwright, Alonzo Trier came back, right? Like, there was just quality and depth there. And, I mean, what you're talking about now with Kylan Boswell and Jaden Bradley, um, Caleb Love. Um, I feel like I'm missing somebody. Uh, KJ Lewis. Like it just. Kyle seems... Larson could kind of play a two spot if he needed yeah. to. Yeah, yeah, and and I just I feel like um, I'm super excited. And so to your question specifically, Caleb Love. This gets back to the point that we made in the last segment, as far as like I think really getting somebody to come into that locker room, be a, be part of the team that has played in big time settings on big time stages um, is something that's really hard to, to, I, I, I guess, I, I guess like quantify, right? Like, I, I don't think like 
it's that certain level of intangible that just like having somebody in there, like a young, you know, think of like Kalen, Kylan Boswell and KJ Lewis, right? I know Kylan is, has a year under his belt, but we're talking, we're still talking kids. Like they're probably the same age and they can lean on a Caleb love like that. Jaden Bradley too, right? Jaden Bradley's only a freshman, right? So we're talking about three kids under the age of 20 who now can look to this guy who's done it at the, at literally the highest level. Um, you mean, you can poke holes in his efficiencies, but like as far as exposure and experience in those big time situations, I absolutely love it. Yeah. I'm a big fan of the move too. The biggest question people had is, will the efficiency, right? How will he fit into Arizona's offense, into the system as someone who, especially last season was kind of a chucker an inefficient chucker would take some bad shots was the guy. And he had his press conference on Wednesday, his first time, I think meeting the local media. And he was kind of active about that. He talked about it, like, Hey, he's just trying to fit in that. You know, he's like, his role is going to be different. I think he's quoted, you know, says my role has to change a little bit because it's a different team, a different system. You know, so it's going to be easier to maneuver and make plays on and off the ball. And he's willing to do whatever he has to do to fill that role. He said all the right things. And now this is the time you do that, right? It's easy to say, I want to fit in. I'm not here to take 25 shots a game. I'm going to tailor my game to the system and to my team. Love that. When the lights go on and the game start, we'll see. But I believe that he came to Arizona knowing that he has a lot to prove if he wants to make it to the next level. And I believe that he saw Arizona said, hey, that offensive system, what I can do there, if I'm only shooting 15 times a game, but I can make seven of those, eight of those, and score, you know, 16, 17 points and play off the ball, play defense. He mentioned that in his press conference on Wednesday, too, just playing good defense, being a two-way player. Like, yeah, I like it. And he has that experience. He has that veteran intangibles that you were talking about. So he knows what he's good at. He knows what he needs to work on. And he knows that this is his last chance to prove what he wants to to get to the next level. Like, I, I can't see I, – I can see a world where it doesn't work. I don't think it's going to happen. I think he's going to be very good for Arizona, and I think he's going to be a very, very big positive for this team as they try to. They have big goals this year. Like I really love this roster, and he's a big part of it. I think our offensive scheme alone elevates him, right? And 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 I just think that like Hubert Davis, I know he made the championship game in his in his first season, but I think I think a more reasonable expectation is probably what we saw last year. It's 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 somewhere obviously in between what we saw last year in the championship game, but probably closer to what we saw. Like, you know, a UNC should not ever miss the tournament. Or I nope. guess not ever, but like, you know, it should be very rare for a UNC team to miss the tournament. So that, that, that wasn't Caleb's fault. He was he no, became the scapegoat for them, but that wasn't yeah. his fault. No, I I'm I'm totally with you. And and so what I'm saying, right, is like schematically I think like whatever efficiency issues you think exist. I think that the Tommy Lee, the, the, the Tommy Lloyd up tempo scheme is going to erase a lot of that memory. And, and I, and I honestly think like Ben Matherin might have been a little bit of a selling point, right? Like Ben Matherin, I know that they're in different stages of their career. I, I believe Caleb loves entering his fifth year in college and Ben Matherin was coming, you know, into his second year. So there's a three-year gap as far as development, maturity, all that stuff. But um, I think that you can easily connect dots between, Hey, what if what if I am like the Benedict Matherin of this team mm-hmm. who got big time stops, made big time shots, and what was he the sixth overall pick, seventh or whatever it was? Like, yeah. you know, definitely a lottery pick, right? Like, what if you play yourself into that? Trust the coach who has put people in those situations to get you that next job and get you a, a big time payday. Guys who weren't predicted to be first round picks became first round picks under Tommy Lloyd. Obviously it didn't happen this past season. Zeus Tabellis and everybody went undrafted, but that was also expected. Right? Yep. Dale and Terry, first-round pick. Ben Matherin, lottery pick. Like, mm-hmm. Yeah, 
that I, I think that's a good selling point for him. And yeah, I, I do believe that Caleb Love, again, he has the best intentions. And there are gonna be certain games where he, I'm sure there's gonna be games where he shoots five of twenty, and people are like, oh, geez, you know, the Caleb Love experience. But I think there's gonna be far more opportunities for him to be like, okay, a good player when there's a big shot needed, when there's a run that the other teams go on, he can be that guy that you give the ball to because we know he's not afraid of those moments. I think last season, especially like the Princeton game that ended it, there were times where Arizona had guys they were afraid to shoot. You know, yeah. as much as I liked Kirk Kreese, as much as I liked Courtney Ramey, like someone needed to take the ball and like, I'm going to get a bucket. Alonzo Trier, for all the crap he got from people, he was that type of player. Like, you need a bucket, give him the ball. Granted, against Xavier, you know, they, ignored, they did that to the, ex- ex- at the expense of getting Larry the ball. But you need players like that on your team if you're going to make deep runs. They need to be within the system. They can't just go hero ball the entire game. But there are moments where you need that player, that dog, that guy who's like, you know what? I'm going to make the shot. I got you. You know, I'll put the team on my back and go. Caleb Love, he's not the best player out there, but he's certainly capable of that, and you know he has a mentality that he's willing to do so. Now, maybe Arizona's just so good they beat Aaron by 20. But if they're not, if they're in a close game, especially when they get to the tournament, having someone like that with that experience and with his skill set, he's a good player, a really good player, will go a long way towards Arizona being one of the better teams in the country. So you know, as long as he grows in the system and the team gels, and that's what we don't know, right? There's a lot of new faces playing key roles or a lot of guys playing new roles, especially like a Kellen Boswell going to be the point guard. Mm-hmm. You know, some of the European guys are bringing in, you know, adjusting to the college game. But if by the time the season ends, they've come together and they're a well-oiled machine, finely tuned, they're humming along like they could be, like Tommy Lloyd teams have been for the most part. They, they're dangerous. Oh, like, no, I don't want to do I say, no, I mean, they're, I, they're dang- I'm not saying they're going to win like, right. the final four. No, but, no. But I agree with everything, they, but I don't want to get there. I don't want to get too too excited just yet. Oh, it's July. We it always well, yeah, but it's just you know I'm a typical Arizona fan, so it's my heart has been shattered <laughs> several times. But it's I agree with everything you're saying. I am so excited about this this roster, um, especially after unfortunately you know what transpired last year to the exact point that, that you had right. There just was not that killer on the team. You know, God bless Tubelis, and I wish him nothing but the best. But it's, you know, he's obvious. I mean, he's an NBA player because he's currently on an NBA team. But, like, you know, there's a reason he wasn't drafted, right? Um, So I just think that everything that Lloyd put together for this upcoming season, um, this, not even backcourt as a whole, this is the most promising roster, I think, since that Lowry Markinen year. And you could say maybe the eight year just because they were coming off the Lowry Markinen year and a lot of those pieces returned and you got DeAndre Aiden. Um, but, you know, what we saw at the end, I, I just feel like the team that came together this year, especially with, with uh, Keisha Johnson, mm-hmm. I think that, you know, him and Caleb Love and I think KJ Lewis is a bit of a dog too. I think like the toughness of this team is... <laughs> I mean, leaps and bounds ahead of that of, the, of that DeAndre Ayton year. So uh, going back to maybe some of that Kadeem Allen toughness too. So very, very excited. I'm, I'm with you. Very necessary. Really quick congrats to Brea Cunningham winning a gold medal with Team USA for the FIBA 119 World Cup. That's pretty cool for the women's basketball side of things. Uh, Lauren Ionella, women's golf coach, signed an extension. That's good. Arizona women's golf has been very good in recent years. So totally cool with that. And, of course, one of Arizona's more underrated recruits, Conrad Martinez, has been doing pretty well with the Spanish men in their FIBA basketball tournament as well. So, you know, some fun things here in the offseason. It's July. We're kind of in the dead period for big things. But, you know, fall football camp is just around the corner. I think August 2nd is when fall camp begins. And at that point, 
be a lot of football to talk about, Ronnie. Maybe we'll have you help us with that. You know, I think Brett will be back from his vacation then. But, you know, you're always welcome on Wildcat Radio 2.0 to Thank share you. your thoughts. You know, Thank you. we can't keep you off. I think that would be rude. <laughs> so, but I think that's going to do it for this week's show. Again, thanks to Ronnie Stoffel for filling in for Brett Barry here because I always love to have one of the godfathers of Wildcat Radio on, you know, sharing the airwaves, sharing your listener, whatever you're listening, car, podcast, whatever, you know. Speaking of which, you can find us on iTunes or on Spotify. If you're on, you know, either one of them, subscribe. But if you're on iTunes, give us a rating, too, and a review, and we we will read that review on the air, good or bad. We will read it because, you know, we're fun like that. Uh, You can find us on Twitter at Wildcat Radio AZ. Don't think we're on threads yet. Uh, Brett's been working on that, but he's taking a vacation, so not threads, but you can still find us on... No, it's not even Twitter. It's on X now. You can find us on X, I think, at Wildcat Radio AZ. It's so dumb. (laughs) I don't even want to go down that path. (laughs) It's just... I think, I mean, I'm looking at right now, there's an X in the upper left-hand corner, but it still says Twitter.com, so I, whatever. Good job, Elon. But anyway, we appreciate you listening. Whatever happens with Arizona, we'll talk about next week. And until then, remember to bear down.